New York is the city that never sleeps, and neither does Sal Licata. From Flushing in the Bronx to the Meadowlands in MSG, Sal sounds off on the biggest sports news of the day. Welcome to WFAN Daily with Sal Licata. Hello and welcome to another edition of WFAN Daily with your host, Sal Licata. Today is a special episode. This one is for you, Blue Shirt fans. All Rangers all the time as we welcome in Vince Mercagliano, who covers the Rangers for USA Today, Loha, North Jersey, everywhere else. You can find his Rangers coverage, SNY as well, my colleague over at SNY TV. All right, Vince, so the Rangers coming off the first win of the second half post-All-Star break, and I know what the big talking point is. Obviously, Jonathan Quick getting that start, Shesterkin busy, All-Star weekend, you know, it's not just the isolated performance, though, from Quick in their win, uh, you know, last night as, as we record this, but more so moving forward. Shesterkin has not been good in the first half. Quick, you know, showing that he's been maybe the more consistent of the two goalies. What the heck is going on with Igor Shesterkin and the Rangers' goaltending situation as we go toward the second half of the season? Yeah, Sal, it's really an interesting conversation. I was actually just talking with a couple of the other writers about this, and it's a it's a tough decision, I think, for Peter Laviolette and the Rangers right now because, as you touched on, Quick has been much better this season, much more consistent. His save percentage is up at nine eighteen right now. Igor is under nine hundred at eight ninety nine, and you know, in hockey terms, anything under nine hundred is, is very lackluster. So, if you're thinking about the short term, if you're trying to win the next game, and the Rangers have a tough opponent coming in Wednesday night against the Tampa Bay Lightning, Quick is the hot hand right now. You have to feel like he gives you the better chance to win. So. There's certainly an argument to be made that he should be getting more starts and he should be the one that gets the nod against a tough opponent like the Lightning. But on the other hand, Igor has been the backbone of this team for years. He's only two years removed from winning the Vesna Trophy, which goes to the top goaltender in the NHL every year. And you know, if the Rangers are going to have long-term success, and if the Rangers are going to have success this season in the playoffs, getting him right, is a top priority. I, quite frankly, I don't think the Rangers have a chance of going very far in the playoffs if Igor is not at least close to the top of his game because we've seen some of the other flaws on this team exposed, I think, during this two-month stretch where they really haven't played all that great. So goaltending is super important for them. And so I think from a big-picture perspective, getting Igor right is vital for them. So from that point of view, you could make the argument that even if he's going to still take some lumps, even if he's still working through some things, you got to let him play. you got to get him back on track because from a big-picture perspective, that is what they need. So I think it's a really interesting conversation right now that's probably being had behind closed doors as well with Peter Laviolette and his staff. Yeah, I mean, they can't win the Cup without Shesterkin being at the top of his game. Exactly. exactly. So, so I understand that. However, we've been waiting for it and maybe thinking at certain times this season – that it's going to kick in and Chesterkin will be what he was a year ago, but it hasn't happened. Meanwhile, the Rangers are still atop the Metropolitan Division. They started out like one of the best teams in the league, obviously, as you mentioned, the last couple of months, falling off a little bit. But what is the reason? Is it defense in front of him? Is it Chesterkin himself? Why, Vince, has Chesterkin been a shell of himself this year? 
Well, if you look at the numbers, I think the most glaring thing during this two-month stretch where they've basically been a 500 team, I mean, going into that All-Star break, they had only won 12 of their previous 26 games after they started off as the hottest team in hockey for the first couple months. So there's really been a significant drop-off. And you look at Igor, in those first couple months of the season, when they were 18-4-1 going into early December, his save percentage was 9-16. In the 20-plus games since then, his save percentage is 884. So that's a massive difference in terms of goaltending save percentage. So not having the goaltending that they've come to expect that we've kind of been spoiled with, not just with Igor, but even before that with Henrik Lundqvist, that has, I think, been probably the most glaring difference for the Rangers because, as I mentioned before, the Rangers in the past had a lot of imperfections, but Igor covered up a lot of those mistakes with some of the momentum-changing saves that we got used to him making over the course of the game. It seems like every game... He would bail them out of some bad situation. And in hockey, you know, that can be the difference between a a win and a loss in a lot of circumstances. But there's certainly more to it than that. I think there's a a list of things that the Rangers are examining right now, especially as we inch toward the trade deadline. Team defense has been an issue at times, specifically defending off the rush. And when I say that, I actually just had a conversation with Chris Kreider about this today. The Rangers have this tendency to get a little too risky. You hear them use the term playing to east-west a lot of the time where you see them, especially when they're trying to enter the offensive zone, rather than kind of taking a straightforward approach and making sure you get the puck behind the defense, they're trying those cross-ice passes that get intercepted a lot of the time or end up turning into turnovers that quickly can go back the other way. Colorado was running up and down the ice in that first period against them on Monday night. So the Rangers get into these defensive lapses where they're, they've had a lot of trouble specifically cutting down on the turnovers and then defending against the rush when the other team does take possession back. So that's probably one of the top things that they're talking about, I know, uh, in the locker room. But the scoring consistently at five-on-five five has been an issue. This has basically been mm. a one-line team from a scoring perspective. Artemi Panarin is having an outstanding season. He's been their best player hands down. His line with Vincent Trocek and Alexi Lafreniere has been really good for the Rangers from an offensive perspective. But the other three lines have not really contributed consistent offense. And and specifically, you have to look at Mika Zibanejad's line with Chris Kreider and kind of the revolving door that we've seen at right wing. They have not been a consistent enough offensive threat. So I think they need more scoring punch and the power play is also slumping a bit right now. And then the last thing I would touch on, which I think was glaring early on in that game against the Avalanche is team speed. The Rangers are not the type of team that match up really well with some of the fastest teams in the league. We saw that get exposed against the Devils last year when the Rangers got bounced in the first round. And and that is still a concern to me because in these kind of track meet type of games, a lot of times it feels like they're just not keeping up and they're not able to trade blows in that fashion. So there's really a, a list of things. I think these are a lot of the things that they're looking to address at the trade deadline, but it starts with the goaltending. If Igor is Igor, then we're probably not having these same conversations because they're probably winning at least a few more of the games that, that have been close in that last month or so when they've struggled. You know, it sounds like, Vince, we're talking about a team that's 16 and 31, not 31 and 60, which is crazy to <laughs> yeah, think of yeah. all these issues. And I know it's kind of been a tale of, you know, two halves even in the first half within itself. I want to, I want to get into some of the other stuff that you mentioned. Last one on Igor. Is it a confidence thing? Because I'm with you. Like, nothing else matters 
if he's not himself. And that was the beauty of the beginning of this year. You think, wow, maybe everything is coming together here. With the great goaltender that they have, they can legitimately win a cup. The only reason why we talk about the Rangers and winning a cup in recent years is because of Igor Shesterkin. Is this a confidence issue with Igor? Yes, I, I absolutely believe it is. He he very much gets in his own head. He has extremely high expectations for himself, and I think he has a tendency to just beat himself up a little too much, let bad saves or you know pucks that get by him or bad games kind of snowball. And, and he's talked about this because you know we can talk about how poorly he's played or at least some of the inconsistencies we've seen from him in recent months. Remember. Last season, he had a month or two where he really struggled as well. February was not a good month for him last season. He caught fire in March, and he was their best player from that point forward. So the good news is that you've seen him work his way out of these slumps in the past. But I think the biggest thing for him is mentally, he gets down on himself. He starts to really put too much pressure on himself. He doesn't move on. Henrik Lundqvist has talked about this as well. For a goalie, when you get beat, when you let a puck get by you, you need to be able to wipe the slate clean and kind of move on to the next thing. Because if you're thinking about what just happened, the game happened so fast, you're going to get beat again a moment later. And we've seen that happen. The Rangers, I think, are one of the worst teams in the league as far as giving up multiple goals in a really short stretch of time. So I think that this has very much become a confidence thing, a mental thing for Igor. We've seen him show frustration in games. I've seen him show frustration in practice, I've seen him not really be a very happy camper in the locker room setting. So I think that, that this is something where it has definitely gotten to his head. And I actually did sit down and chat with him on Sunday, that first practice back from the All-Star break, just to get a feel for where he's at. And I will say that his spirits on Sunday, and you know this won't mean anything if it doesn't translate on the ice, but he seemed to be a little bit more refreshed. He, he was talking about having that awareness that he needs to start having more fun he needs to stop beating himself up so much. He was laughing and joking a little bit, which I hadn't seen from him in weeks, or you could even say months. So I think he's aware that this is something that he needs to overcome. But I do believe that when he's gone into these slumps, a big part of it has not really been technical. It's been much more just beating himself up mentally and not being able to get over that hump. That gives me, it gives me hope that it could be then fixed. And I know it hasn't to date in this particular season but I feel like he'll figure it out, especially hearing if he was laughing about it a little bit over the All-Star break, and maybe he could figure it out. And I would expect, you know, there's not going to be a goalie controversy, at least not now, uh, where I know Quick has been good. I'd be surprised if Shesterkin did not get the start uh, against the Lightning. All right, a couple other things here, Vince. You mentioned a lot of stuff that I want to get into. Let's start with Laviolette. How do you think he's done year one so far replacing Gerard Gallant? Well, it was all sunshine and roses for those first couple months because some of these issues that we've talked about with the Rangers, whether it's the turnovers, the defending against the rush, the, the defensive structure, it seemed like he solved a lot of those issues right off the bat. The Rangers came out guns blazing for those first couple months of the season, and they really cut down on those costly mistakes where they were shooting themselves in the foot in the past. And you were kind of thinking, like, wow, is, is this the coach who is finally able to solve that? But I think what we've learned more recently is that old habits die hard and that he has not completely shaken the Rangers of some of the issues that have cost them in the past. So that is his challenge now. It's been very much a honeymoon period for him so far. And I do think that from an accountability 
perspective, from a communication perspective. I think the players felt like they weren't getting a whole lot of feedback from Gerard Gallant. I think it, it seemed like it just got a little too loosey-goosey in there, and it definitely seemed like when it came time that you needed to make adjustments, whether it was in-game or in-between games, that they didn't have a whole lot of strategic answers. And it does seem like Laviolette is a deeper thinker. From that perspective, a lot of the players, I mean, players have openly talked about feeling like they're more prepared this season. So when you're hearing that kind of language from inside the locker room, I mean, that raised my eyebrows for sure. So I think it's an upgrade. I think it was a necessary move for the Rangers. I think this guy is going to be more likely to navigate them to success in a playoff series where you're going to have to make adjustments from one game to the next, and you're going to have to make adjustments even from one period to the next, which we've seen them effectively do at times this season. But the challenge for him now is we've seen what this Rangers core, which has largely been together for the last few years, what their best attributes are and what some of their weaknesses are. So now it's a matter of, well, can you make the necessary adjustments to snap them out of this and get them back to what we saw early in the season. So now we're at a little bit of a crossroads, but I I do think that largely the way that he's been received in the locker room and and again, the accountability and the structure and and how prepared this team seems, it definitely feels like that has been elevated since he showed up. And I do think that if you ask the players, that they feel like they're in a better position with with him behind the bench. Yeah, it's funny. I loved Gallant and all that he did, but I, I you do feel like it was time for change, especially seeing the early results of the season with Laviolette. And knowing Laviolette's history, and also, Vince, not that I want to see the Rangers struggle here, but you always get tested, whether it's a player, a team, a head coach, going through some adversity. And it was all roses to begin with, as you said. Now they're handling some adversity here. I know Laviolette is the right guy to get them out of it, and I do trust him come postseason time. Okay, a couple of specifics here with some of the lines or players individually. Philip Heedle, um, you know, scary situation, obviously. Tough loss. How big of a loss is this for the Rangers this season? Yeah, I, it, it's pretty massive because I, I mentioned the lack of consistent scoring beyond that one line. And Heedle is a guy who you know, if anything, that's what he brings. He was coming off of a career year, 22 goals last season. And I listen, from talking to him in training camp and watching him earlier in the season, this is a guy who felt like he was only scratching the surface. One of the, this is a side note, but one of the hardest working guys in that room, always one of the first guys on the ice for practice and almost always one of the last guys off out there doing various shooting drills and skill work and things like that. So this is a guy who I think the upside is high. I mean, maybe the highest among their young forwards, and that's saying a lot when you consider some of the highly drafted guys like Lafreniere and Kako who are in this lineup. So it's a huge blow. And what it leaves the Rangers with is a hole down the middle. I mean, you could argue other than goaltending, center is the most important position for any team. And the Rangers felt like they had a strength down the middle when their top three lines had Zabanajad. Trocek, who I, I think has been their best center this season, and Hedl. But now without Hedl there, it just feels like that third line has been a bit of a black hole offensively. They tried the veteran Nick Benino there for a long time, who now actually today we just found out was granted an unconditional release just because he clearly did not fit in that role. He's a gritty player, but not a guy who brings any offense, and, and they need some scoring from that line, which has not been the case. They're giving Johnny Brodzinski a look there now, and, and Johnny's the guy that you pull for. 
because this is a 30-year-old guy with a young family who's basically been a career minor leaguer and, and has worked his way up. He's been a top scorer in the American Hockey League, and now he's finally getting his chance to stick on an NHL roster. But is he the answer on a Stanley Cup caliber team? I, I don't think the answer there is yes. So now without Heedle, the Rangers just have this huge hole in the middle. Their bottom six has not been providing any offense, and Heedle was the one guy in that bottom six mix who you felt like could do that. So I, I think that that is going to be the number one priority for the Rangers at the trade deadline is finding a replacement for him. All right, well, I was going to get to the trade line in a little bit, but since you brought it up right there, what are we looking at here for the Rangers then to upgrade? If, if you have names specifically, is it just at center? What are we looking at for the Rangers to make a move to upgrade this team? Yeah, it, it's a tough market right now, Sal, because if you, know, if you look at the first couple trades that have dropped here, Elias Lindholm from the Calgary Flames was considered to be, at least of the guys that we know are available, the number one center. And then you go and you look at the price that the Vancouver Canucks paid to get him, not only a first-round pick, but a, you know, a prospect who is considered a pretty good player, uh, an NHL roster young player who's coming off of a 30-goal season. So they gave up a boatload to get Lindholm. And I know the Rangers were sniffing around on him, but they felt like the price was too high. Then you see Sean Monaghan, a center from the uh, Montreal Canadiens who just got dealt to Winnipeg. He's a guy who has an injury history, has not been highly productive. He's having his best season, but certainly not a surefire guy. And then you see Winnipeg give up a first-round pick for him. So first-round picks are flying around like candy right now. And I think that that is going to be a really interesting spot for the Rangers because are you going to give up a first-round pick? Are you willing to do that for a third-line type player? Traditionally, you would think a first-round pick would have to be a top-six player, would have to be a really no-doubt-about-it impact kind of guy. And I think the centers that are rumored out there right now None of them really fall into that category, but the market is dictating that it, it might cost you a first-round pick. So the next domino that everybody is waiting to see fall is Adam Henrique from the Anaheim Ducks. He's a center that I also know the Rangers have sniffed around on. I do believe that they have some interest, but I think that they would ideally like to pay maybe a second-round pick for a guy like that. But the Ducks, meanwhile, from what I'm hearing, are definitely asking for a first. So are you willing to up the ante and do that for a rental player? This is a guy on an expiring contract who also is not – I don't even think he's he's a Heedle-level player. So he's not even going to be as good as Philip Heedle would have been for you in that role, and, and you're paying a premium for him. So that that's a question I think they're asking internally right now. But the Ducks, our team, I would monitor – I know a lot of Rangers fans are also interested in Frank Petrano from the Ducks, mm. who was their lone all-star last week. The Rangers, I think, would have interest in bringing him back as well. He's a right winger. That's another hole for them. I talked about that revolving door on that top line with Zabanajad, and Petrano was really the last effective guy that they've had there. So that would make some sense. But this is a guy who I think you would have to pay presumably even more than you would for a guy like Henrique, considering he's got 20-something goals right now. He's also under contract for next year at, I believe, $3.1 million, which I think the Rangers can swing. In years past, like the last couple trade deadlines, the, the talk has been they need rentals because they had no salary cap space for the next season. But they're a little bit more flexibility right now because the cap is projected to go up by a few million dollars next year coming out of this flat cap era. So I don't think it's impossible that the Rangers could add a guy with a little bit of term, but it would be hard for them to swing a deal with the Ducks for Henrique and Vitrano because they don't have enough cap room to fit both of those guys right now. But the Ducks are an interesting team. 
The San Jose Sharks are another team I would keep an eye on because there's a history there with Chris Drury and their general manager, Mike Greer, and I do believe that they've talked to them about a few of their players. Anthony Duclair is a right winger who would bring some scoring and some speed, whose name I I would keep an eye on. The Ottawa Senators are a team that have a couple guys, including Vladimir Tarasenko, who is a a player that the Rangers enjoyed their time with last season. And the last team that I'm keeping my eye on, they're kind of on the cusp of that Western Conference playoff picture right now. But if they fall out of it, I think they've got some really interesting pieces. And that would be the Seattle Kraken. So I'm looking out West a lot. I think some of the prime trade partners would be out West. But there's not really a surefire center out there who I think would check all the boxes for the Rangers. There could be some under-the-radar names. Chris Drury notoriously keeps his cards very close to the chest, so there's probably some names that I haven't mentioned that they're keeping an eye on right now. But the price tags are so high, I'm very curious to see how much Drury is going to be willing to pay for some of these guys who, again, might not fall into that, you know, no doubt about her kind of category. Yeah, and I love that Drury, it's great info there, Vince, and I love that Drury has been aggressive at trade deadlines. You feel like, you know, there are some missing pieces out there to, you know, complete this team to go make a run at the Cup. I have confidence that he's going to do it, just a matter of which pieces they could get and what he's going to give up for him. All right, a couple more for you, Vince. And like I said, we do appreciate your time and the great info here. Two players to me that have been disappointing for different reasons, and I think the Rangers have had higher expectations and probably need these guys to perform at a higher level too. win that elusive Stanley Cup. Capo, Kako, and Keandre Miller. Can you explain if you think these guys can be more impactful, why they haven't been? Give me the thoughts individually on Kako and Keandre Miller. Yeah, there's definitely more in the tank for both of those guys. Kako has definitely been a disappointment this season. Now, the disclaimer is that he missed 21 games with an injury in the middle of the season, so any chance to build momentum was obviously interrupted by that. But this is a guy who, in his first 20 games, really was not very productive offensively. And you could point to some things with Kako. I mean, when he first came into the league, he was one of the worst defensive forwards, not only on the team, but really around the league. And he's really improved in that area. The metrics, a lot of the analytics tell you that he's one of the Rangers' better forwards in that department. But the reality is this is a guy who was taken number two overall in the draft. And it was because when he was playing in Finland, he had the reputation as a high-end offensive player. And there's no way to sugarcoat it. He has not been that with the Rangers now. And he's well into his second contract. His second contract is actually about to expire. So he's going to be a restricted free agent this summer. There's been some whispers and some reports out there and rumors that the Rangers might be listening to offers on him. and. The distinction I would make there is that listening is not the same as shopping. I absolutely believe that Chris Drury would be willing to talk about almost anybody on this roster, but the chances of a deal like that happening in season as opposed to over the summer, I I tend to think it's much more likely to happen over the summer. If you're going to move a really valuable young asset like that, I think it's hard to do that in a trade deadline setting. And I also think that other GMs are smelling blood in the water right now. They know that this is maybe an opportunity for them to try to buy low on Kako, and I hesitate to think that Drury would be willing to sell low on a guy like that who is supposed to be a pivotal part of this franchise. So I think that there's certainly some work to be done there. I think that you you absolutely want to see more offensive production from him, and if it doesn't click at some point in the remaining 30-plus games of the season plus the playoffs, then maybe it does become more of a conversation over the summer about whether or not they're going to move on. But I think right now 
you know, Kako, I sense some frustration with him for sure about the lack of ability to put the puck in the back of the net because he knows that that's why he's here. And it just seems like for whatever reasons, and, and you could talk about speed, obviously he's not the, the best skater around. You could talk about confidence. I think that has been an issue at times. And you just want to see him be a little more assertive in general when it comes to getting into those high danger scoring areas. I think all of that has added up to a guy where it just, it hasn't fully clicked for him yet. And, and we're waiting to see. And, and I'm sure in some ways the patience is kind of running low on that. And then as for Miller, listen, he's become kind of a punching bag for the fans recently, and he is definitely prone to, I think, some very glaring mistakes. Don't forget, this is a guy who, for most of his life, was a forward. He wasn't converted to playing defense, I think, until he was 17 years old. And I think that making all the right reads, being positionally sound in all defensive situations, is an area where he still needs to improve. And that's why you see him I think getting burned in some highlight-type situations, and I think that that definitely draws the ire of fans. But don't forget, this is a guy who the Rangers ask a lot out of. He is second on the team in average time on ice per game behind Adam Fox. You might think that the Rangers would lean more heavily on a Jacob Truba or a Ryan Lindgren, but clearly they trust and put a lot on Keandre Miller's plate. And for a young player with the type of upside that he has, when you talk about the skating and the length at six foot five and some of the plays that he can make to make up for his own mistakes. And then some of the skill he has pushing forward offensively. This is a guy that had 40 something points last season. You know, to me, he's a really, really important player for this team and you'd like to see him cut down on some of the mistakes, but I also think he does a lot of good things for this team as well. And I think that in time with some more development, that this is going to be a guy who's a really important player for them and a defenseman that because of all that talent is someone that a lot of teams in the league would probably love to have. I know from talking to scouts, they believe that his upside might be higher than pretty much any other young player on this team. Wow. I mean, that's great insight there, Vince. Boy, I just asked you a question. You tee off for 30 minutes. I love it with this Rangers info. And you do such a great job, which is why I want to have you on. One more before we let you go here as it pertains to the Rangers' big picture. You don't have to get into the specifics of who they're going to trade for, what they're going to do. Realistically, can this team legitimately, let's assume Igor does pick it back up here, gains the confidence because we know that that's a non-starter if he doesn't. Let's say Igor does pick it back up. Can this team legitimately compete to win Lord Stanley's Cup this year? It's a great question, Sal. I mean, number one, they're going to have to make the right moves at the trade deadline. I think the roster as is has some holes, specifically as we touched on the third line center Uh and that top line right winger. I I think they need to plug both of those holes to really feel good about where this roster is at. And then it's going to be make or break time. I I think in a lot of ways for this core. I've written about this a handful of times already this season, but it's no longer about making the playoffs for this group. They've proven that they can do that. This is going to be the third year in a row, it looks like, where they're going to the playoffs. We're judging them at a higher standard now. It's about can they win the Cup. This is going to be 30 years now since 1994. We know that they're hungry to do it. We know that ownership wants to do it. That's why they cleaned house in the front office and handed the keys to Chris Drury a couple years ago. So you know that patience, I think, in that regard is starting to wear thin. And we know that they have a really good core in place. The question is, because they've gone through a few coaches now, so it's hard to keep blaming it on the coach. The question is, is this core not just good, but are they great? Are they capable of getting over that Stanley Cup hump and winning a championship? And I think that if they 
struggle again in the playoffs. If they have another disappointing playoff showing where they're bounced early, they're going to be some really difficult conversations about, is this core good enough to win a cup? They're good enough to make the playoffs, but are they good enough to win the cup? And then the fingers are going to be pointed at the, the top paid guys, the, the, the star names, the veteran guys on this roster, whether it's Artemi Panarin, Igor Shosturkin, Mika Zibanejad, Chris Kreider. The Rangers have made their bed with those guys. They locked all of them up to long-term contracts. There's seven players in this roster, the guys I just named, plus Truba and Trocek, that account for over 60% of their available salary cap space. So the Rangers have basically placed their bet that this core is good enough to get the job done. Now, it would be a huge help for them if you could get some of those young guys like Kako and Lafreniere and Miller and Braden Schneider to step up because they need those secondary guys to be impact players for them, I think, to really reach the promised land. But ultimately, the bulk of the burden falls on this core. And I believe it's a really good core. I believe that if things fall right and a lot of these guys get hot at the right time and they make the right trade deadline additions, that they're capable of going on a run and maybe bringing the cup back. But if they don't, if there's another hiccup this year, it's going to be a really tough conversation. So it's a great question, Sal. I don't know that I feel firm that I have the answer one way or another. I think I'll have a better idea after the trade deadline. But I do feel like this is a really important season for this team to prove whether or not they are really good enough to get the job done. And and we all know the job is ending that drought that's been since 1994. Again, it's no longer just about making the playoffs for them. Cannot believe it's been 30 Fucking years since they've won a cup, Finch. Jesus. I mean, I'm, I'm dying. It was 14 years old, for goodness sakes. He is Vince Mercagliano, New York Rangers reporter for USA Today Sports, every which way possible. Loha, North Jersey, USA Today Network, SNY TV as well. And Vince, your own podcast, New Ice City, talking lots of puck. Tremendous job, Vince. We appreciate your time. Awesome, Sal. Thanks for having me. Anytime. All right, man. We'll talk to you soon. What a job by Vince. I mean, great info there on the Rangers. This is for you, Ranger fans. I'm one of you. I like hockey. And we'll do an Islander one as well. But this one's for you, Ranger fans. Can this team win the Cup? There you have it. A lot of info from Vince. Uh, Maybe we'll get him on again and discuss post-trade deadline where this Rangers team can go. But it's been 30 years. My goodness. All right, that does it for this edition of WFAN Daily. Please don't forget to download, rate, subscribe, wherever you get your podcasts. Also, hit us up, WFANDaily at gmail.com. We'll have a mailbag episode with your questions and comments. We'll answer them for an episode. We'll do that once a week, WFANDaily at gmail.com. All right, we'll see you tomorrow.